From the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here's your host, Rocky LaFleur. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Also starring Josh Webb, Jake LaTondras, Rob Kroon, David Ellis, and Ramsey Russell. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Ducks House Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Monday, but it's close enough. Join me on the other end, Mr. Porn Stash himself, Rob Kroon. Who says the Porn Stash is not cool? Man. Well, I mean, I, you know, I just, we was up one night and kind of having a few cold beers and somebody said, why don't we shave a mustache for the Ryder Cup this weekend? You know, be like Ricky Fowler, kind of, but a little bit chubbier. Uh, so we did it, and I was told by multiple people that I looked like an idiot, and I was also told that it needed to be off immediately. Let's so, say, um, let's say the immediately comment <laughs> came from your wife. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think anybody just fell in love with it. I mean... It was pretty nice, I'm not going to lie, but, you know, I'm not built for that. You know, it takes me like, I'm like Joe Dirt. It takes me like six years to grow that. So, I mean, I'm going to be going through duck duck, uh, season all baby face because it's going to take me so long to grow it back. Uh, You know, I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. It's okay. I'm and pretty then sure you, they're making you, a cut. You, you and Church had a photo shoot, what, like Thursday? I was at the goat show. And uh, I got I got a message from Church. He said, take a look at these photos um, before I post them. See what you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had, a, uh, we had the Ryder Cup at the golf course, so we had to do, like, team photos and – Stuff like that. There's also some people taking pictures the Friday night before at the party that got several, several good ones, like, with a good camera. So we'll have to see how that turned out. I mean, you know, it may be my new look. I don't know. I'll just have to see. Well, if, it, it if it's got to be. It, it, it freaked me out the first day or two because every time I look in a mirror, I'd be like, whoa! You know. <laughs> It it really did scare me a couple of times. Oh man, gosh! Hey, has the goalpost come by your? Uh, has the goalpost come through Jackson, Tennessee yet? I saw the goalpost headed west on I forty. I believe it was last night. Um, they had it. 
behind a school bus on a flatbed trailer. So I don't know how that happened. Somebody at this point might have just stole it. But uh, that game did not surprise me one bit, not even a little. Uh, we know they're in trouble, and, you know, they're, State is, State's got a long road ahead of them. Wow. Hey, was I ever wrong and you ever right about Mississippi State? Uh, I'm not tooting my own horn, Rocky, but I think I tried to tell you that. Jeez, man. I, I never saw – I never saw it coming. I, I thought that they were uh, – I think I said a seven – or I think I said seven and a half back sure when we kind of did a college. I think it was eight. Maybe you said seven and a half, but you were thinking they were going to win eight. Now, the only reason they've got they've got the athletes, but they don't have the coaching staff. And, and you know, people can say what they want about the coaches, but when you can't organize a practice and you can't convey to these kids what they need to do, then they're not going to be able to do it. And you go somewhere like Tennessee, you could say Tennessee sucks all you want, and they do, don't get me wrong. But they got 110,000 crazy people screaming. It makes a big difference. If you're not ready for that, then, you you know, it, it's hard to get ready for that. You know, I've asked some of my buddies, you know, wherever the toughest place to play was, and I've heard Auburn and LSU and stuff like that. But you're, you're talking, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on there. Oh, man. You think Joe Moorhead, the lights got to him first couple of quarters? I think – I think Joe Moorhead is so lost that he would be like putting me in a coon hunting situation without a light and a GPS and a dog. <laughs> he would, he would, he's basically as lost as if you told me I had to play in the NBA summer league for three weeks. That's how out of his element he is. He has no clue what's going on, and he should have known when he took the job that it wasn't going to be long term because. He can't handle look, you can't go to you can't go to Mississippi State and Starville, Mississippi and think you're gonna come in there as a Yankee that looks like the goofiest person in the world. He doesn't Who does he look he, like? Who do you say he looks like? The guy on the Goonies. If if the if the weird guy on the Goonies that lived in the cave wore glasses, it would be Joe Moorhead. Hey, you guys. So, yeah, I mean, I just feel like that, you know, it was a terrible hire. I don't know how they even found the guy. I had never even heard of him. You know, James Franklin is one of the best coaches in the country. So, you know, you say, well, this assistant's really good. Well, yeah, look who he's working for. I mean, that's like these guys from Saban that go – you know, like Pruitt and Kirby Smart and that other guy that went to Michigan, which they're struggling right now. But you look at these guys that coached for Saban for a couple of years and and look at how they do compared to these other guys that people hire. You know, you're not going to get the – it's like they said last night during the game that uh, – I can't remember his name, but the coach for the Lions, you know, was a longtime defensive coordinator for, for Belichick. And they were saying, you know, that like before games and during practice, Belichick would go as far as to tell the the players and the coaches who the refs were, just so they would know what kind of game was going to be officiated. And he was that he's that detail oriented, and that's how Saban is. 
So you get somebody like James Franklin that's a really good coach and probably does similar stuff. He's probably not as crazy as those two are, and I'm not even comparing him to them. I'm just saying when you go from that and then all of a sudden you're running the show somewhere you've never lived in a, in a place that expects to win seven, eight games, which is high expectations for, for Mississippi State or Ole Miss, then all of a sudden you're putting yourself in a situation that's very, very difficult um, to – to keep and to hold up. I mean, let's be honest. That's not that's not something that's just you know that you can just automatically you know jump in there and say, hey, we got it. Because first of all, your coordinators change. Second of all, your system changes, and you're an offensive coordinator uh, guru in the Big Ten. That that's the craziest. That that'd be like sending me on a sea duck hunt because I killed butter balls in in Arkansas. Like I don't know how to sea duck hunt. He doesn't know how to coach in the SEC. It's that simple. And Estes was telling me yesterday he's got like a $175 billion buyout. Who decided that was a good idea? He hasn't even coached a game. And you're going to give him that much guaranteed money? What are they thinking? He, they, dude, this is the craziest. Now, look, I know that we should we should have another coach. But Luke is doing a decent job with Rich Rod and McIntyre keeping this thing kind of together in some ways, considering what we've been through. State hasn't been through that. They run Mullen off and then hire this goober that nobody's ever heard of and want to know why they're losing to Tennessee. And if you when, can't get that. I, I know you're not going to agree with me on this, but I, I'm going to say it anyway. All right, so I believe – that Callan Hill at Mississippi State, you put him on Alabama, you put him on any other team, he is the premier back of the SEC. He had 11 yards the other day, 11 or 13. It was either 13 for 11 or 11 for 13 yards. That's awful against Tennessee's defense. Nothing, nothing against Tennessee, but their defense hadn't been that, that great at stopping the run. And, man, Colin Hill should have had the day of his life. Like I said, he either had 11 or 13 yards, one of them. Well, you know, that it, it all goes back to coaching. Every bit of this goes back to coaching. Penalties, game plan, all this stuff, it all goes back to the coaches. It doesn't – like I said, State has athletes. They've got good enough athletes to go into Tennessee and win that game. And Tennessee's got good athletes, too. Don't get me wrong. We went through that a couple of weeks ago going through their recruiting classes in the last few years. They just weren't – I don't know if over the offseason they didn't get ready. I don't know what happened there. They should not have the record they have, but they do. State should have the record they have because I saw this coming like a bright light from a train coming down the tracks. This was not – you don't have to be – you could see this coming from last year so easy. You could see it coming. And you can ask the, you can ask some of the state fans. You don't hear them chirping like they were, do you? I mean, who's coming out? Man, were... look at Patrick Wells. Did you see the post that he made yesterday? Love you, Patrick. But No, I didn't. You know, he said LSU was going to beat unless the flu hit Baton Rouge. Mississippi State was going to lose by 50. This is the same guy, man, chirping away before the season started. Yeah, and I, I think – I'm not sure about that game. I'm not going to 
I would I would never bet that game. LSU certainly has potential to to beat them seventy five to to seven if that's what they wanted to do. But after that Florida game, as much as they were up for that game, I can see a letdown. I don't think it's going to even be close. But I don't think they're going to beat them by thirty five. I think they'll beat them, you know, twenty four to seven or something like that. I'm not saying they can't. I'm not an idiot. I've just seen this happen too many times where the, the team will get up for a big game like this and then kind of, you know, kind of have a hard time getting the motions for the next game. You know, and that's what you got to look at from a betting standpoint. But anyway, um, yeah, I can see uh, I can, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. And I'm not sure, you know, the Egg Bowl is always close, but I'm not sure that they can beat us. If they play like they've been playing, we will beat them. I'll put it that way. Even though we're struggling on some certain things and we do goofy stuff, I, if they play like they've been playing, we're going to beat them. Now, I know it's a long way away, and I'm I'm just I, I'm just saying I they keep talking about the Egg Bowl, and I just keep watching our teams play, and I'm like, yeah, I don't see it. But anyway, it's way too early for that. They got LSU, they and then who do they have after? Who do they have after Getting LSU? Up. Hold on, let me ask you this before before we change it. Do you think Nick Fitzgerald was that good? No. I mean, I know that they lost a lot off of that defense, but good gosh, man. For their offense to fall off like this. Let me ask you this. Do you think that they're a better team if Stevens doesn't get hurt in that Kansas State game? No, because it goes back to what I've been saying. I believe this is all coaching. I don't believe it has anything to do with the players. I think the players are great. I'd like to have some of their players. Uh, I just don't feel like that they're getting coached enough to understand, you know, when it – look, in the first quarter, when it's 0-0 or 3-0 or 7-0 or whatever, you know, you can make coaching adjustments and stop however the other team is scoring. But when it starts getting out of hand, you're running out of options. And the kids realize it's getting out of hand. These kids have been playing football since they were eight. They understand when when the writing's on the wall. You know, I'm not saying they quit, but I'm saying that they they they're gonna at some point he's gonna lose this team. At some point, right. because they're gonna realize right. that that he is a buffoon, and he doesn't know what they're doing. And all this is gonna do over time is affect recruiting. It's gonna affect the fan base. It's gonna affect the boosters. It's going to affect all of this to where that they're going to be – this isn't going to be a temporary thing. You can't fix this overnight. You can see all of these programs that have been through this. Look at Florida State. Look at uh, Auburn. You know, they should have fired Gus six different times. Look at some of these programs that do this stuff, and look how it affects them. I mean, Florida right, hey, State, they're right. – re- re- Hey, re- real, real quick, uh, let's go through this. They play LSU this week, win or loss. Of course, it's a loss. loss. Texas, Texas A and at Texas A and M, win or loss? Loss. And that's three and five. Ark at Arkansas. That's a win. I think that's a toss up. I know you give them the it, win it, it, automatically. It, 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 no, no, that's not why I said that. I just feel like by then, um, they're going to have to just ground and pound, and and Arkansas, I. They could sneak up and do something crazy, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I mean, state's got athletes, and I mean, athletes are going to beat other athletes in the right situation. Arkansas is Alabama at level yet. Have, oh God, ACU. I don't even know who ACU is. 
Oh, we'll just give them a win there just out of just because we don't even know what team it is. <laughs> and then Ole Miss. I I think that Ole Miss beats them. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, we can always call that a toss up, and I'm fine with that. And because I've seen too many games with our teams that should have gone one way that went the other, but I just don't see. I think the team is going to be through with him by then. That's kind of why I'm worried about oh, the I Arkansas agree. pick because the team could completely be folded on him by then. You know, That's what I'm saying you, you 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 get demolished by LSU and then you slip up and let's just say you lose by. 14 or 21 to Texas A&M. I'm sure that's probably going to be the line somewhere between 10 and 14. You you go to way out west to Fayetteville, you have no confidence at all. That's why I say it's a toss-up. I think you – that could be Arkansas' signature win this year. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems like that – I just feel like that they have superior players, and if they're not completely mad at the coach by then, then it may be one of those situations where you know they're gonna they're gonna win there. But the Texas A&M deal is a toss up too. But I cannot see that guy, that goofy guy, out coaching Jimbo Fisher at at uh, A&M. You know, I mean, they the I A&M has to win that. A&M has to win that game. It doesn't matter how they do it. They have to win that game. And Jimbo Fisher's been in a lot of must-win games. Moorhead or Dorkhead hasn't been in any must-win games. He doesn't know how to win. He doesn't know how. He, he He's never had to do it. He's always had James Franklin to piggyback on, and so all of a sudden his offense was the best in the world. No, his offense was good because Franklin had him structured and let him run his system. Now he's got to run his system and take care of the whole team, and he's not able to do that. There are some people that just can't manage a program. I mean, it, it's just not possible. It doesn't matter if the athletic department is, is riding your butt. It doesn't matter if the boosters are riding your butt. Look at Jay Gruden. I mean, look, you know, I, I'm just saying that if they if, – at some point, he, the, team, the team and the fans are going to completely leave the building. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a spiral effect, just like it did for us, just like it's done for other teams. And it's going to hurt for a while. This isn't going to be temporary. This is mm-hmm. going to be a three- or four-year or, ordeal. At, I agree at the, with that. At the, at, at the, at the best. Because so, it's going to affect recruiting, coaches, everything. I mean, it's gonna, it, they're going to have to totally turn it around like Ole Miss did with Freeze. Hey, how shocked so, were you Saturday with that with the upset? I mean, it may be the upset of the year, South Carolina over Georgia in the NCAA football. Man, I'm going to tell you, going to South Carolina and playing in Columbia is not easy. Look at Ole Miss when we were like third in the country and we go down there and they beat us. Those guys, I mean, that is not an easy win for anybody. And I, I don't. I always thought Muschamp was just crazy, and I don't. I still don't know that he's the best coach in the world. But if you're Georgia and you miss those field goals, you know, I don't know who who do they play next. They must have a big game coming up somewhere. I don't know if they were looking ahead or if they just got their butts. Well, because I I could I couldn't watch the game because I was doing the Ryder Cup. I just saw where that they they finally came back and got it to overtime, and then there was like. It seemed like there was 19 missed field goals in overtime. So I, I don't know what happened there because I didn't get to see it. 
But Georgia's kicker has been so steady for so long. I mean, I can't imagine what happened. But Georgia will be okay. They could still get in with one loss. It's just I was I wouldn't expect them to lose there. They got the mighty and Wildcats up next. Who who do they have after that? Uh, Florida. Yeah, yeah. Toughest game so left they, on they, their schedule is Auburn. Ooh, I don't know Florida. I wouldn't. I, I don't know. I think Florida's pretty good, and they're sneaky. I mean, they've got you know, Florida's always going to have players. I think Mullen, Mullen may be the best coach in the East besides Kirby. I mean, name one better. <laughs> you stress the end that with I'll wait. I think the yeah, Mullen wasn't staying there. Mullen was not staying at Mississippi State. He was going to either Florida, uh, Notre Dame. There was a list that Mullen was going to ever offer the how, job. How, I understand that, but how at Mississippi State do you not throw the whole entire book at him and say, we will give you $5 million a year because they can afford it. All these schools can afford it. Why not just give him an offer that he cannot turn down? And if he does turn it down, we did the best we could. Don't keep saying, hey, man, three and a half, four million. Throw five, six, seven million at the guy. He got you to number three or number one in the country. Why are you going to let him the, go? I think the bigger question to me is, how do you not hire somebody better than uh, Moorhead after Mullen leaving? You know, you, you, you know Mullen's biggest, two biggest faults. Number one, recruiting in the South. It, it was hard for him to recruit here, just well, who he was, they, his, his background. But he couldn't win the big games. He could then, not then they, get a then, really signature win. Go get somebody. You you have no buyout, so go throw all the money in the world at the best coach that you possibly can get. Yeah, and I understand what you're saying, but there weren't many coaches around when this happened. And then, instead of hiring some guy from the South that's doing really well as a coordinator, they hire another Yankee. How is he going to recruit? Can you imagine? Okay, let's put this scenario out there. Let's say you got a four-star, three- or four-star kid, okay, which is Ole Miss, Mississippi State. You know, we get lucky to get some four-stars. Five-stars are really out of both of our leagues. We got lucky that one year because we were paying them so much money. But let's take – okay – Let's say Joe Moorhead comes in to talk to you and your mama on a Thursday night. I really want you to come play football. And then somebody like, I don't know, name anybody, comes in. And, you know, Chad Morris or uh, – I'm not even going to bring Ole Miss into this. But say you've got another coach that comes in, who are you going to want them to play for? This guy that looks like the Goonies character or some guy that's got his stuff together and knows how to speak? And says, yes, we're going to do this. I need you. I need you to do this. Blah, blah, blah. I, I just hey, don't think he works. I'm to come play running back. But, Coach, I play defensive end and high school. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I just don't see it. I just don't see it, man. And I can't for my life imagine that these other schools don't get this. Or that state, these other the fans, like, they got, like, you look at Orgeron. I thought that Orgeron was going to suck at LSU. I thought he was going to have a good year or two because he had good players left over. I had no idea that he was going to be able to do this. Now, you can call it what you want, but I am completely shocked. And I, I'm almost to the point now, I used to hate him, 
But I'm to the point now where I like the guy because I can't believe how well he's done. He's been successful, and I have no problem with successful people. I just thought after all this that, you know, he was just a complete jackass, and he might have changed. I don't think people change. I believe that's a bunch of crap. But he might have changed a little bit and hired the right people and got his crap together. But, dude, they are not a joke. Well, Rob, they are, just they are, they are, oh, Well, you come down and get a Hummer down here. I, I just... <laughs> you know, a lot of people that's listening to this don't have a clue what you're talking about. The greatest commercial ever put together was Orgeron uh, being the spokesperson for the Hummer place in Jackson, Mississippi. It was it, It's the best ever. It's on YouTube. It's had like 65 million views, but you got to get on there and watch it if you hadn't seen it. But, you know, like, you know, the, his press conferences are so great because I don't understand what he's saying. And then, like, the dude will straight up run down the field and, he, and chest and headbutt a player with a helmet on, and he doesn't care. Like, I'm starting to really like, I'm starting to really like this guy. I really am. Like, I'm starting to believe that he, I'm starting to really like him. Now, we all know that, that Saban is my spirit animal, and the first quarter line came out today. It's nine and a half, but you got to bet 125 to win 100. But they're going to be up on Tennessee 35 to nothing at the half, and then Saban's going to pull them off because him and Pruitt are friends because they coached together for so long. So don't bet Alabama on the game. But anyway, I digress. Um, I just think that, you know, he's good. He's got them playing good. Auburn's always going to be – it doesn't matter who the coach is. They're going to be good because they're Auburn. Alabama's – I hate Sarkeesian, and I'm not sure that they can win this year with him as offensive coordinator. If somebody else – if Hugh Freeze had that offense or if somebody else that knew how to coach an offense had those players, it would be insane. It'd be crazy. They could put up 120 points a game if they wanted to. It's just that Sarkeesian, man, he doesn't under, he's, he's just not a good coach. I, w- I hope he's still drinking because if he quit, then that may be the problem. But, you know, you remember when he was at – you remember when he was at Washington? He got fired because he couldn't stay couldn't stay sober. He sober. was doing his alumni events. Yeah, he couldn't talk at his alumni events. Did <laughs> that so, at USC? Yeah. Yeah, well, at both. Man. But, um, but it, hey, you know, he, let, let me. Let me uh, all right, you're going too fast for me. Let's back up a second. Back up just one second. Because I'm sitting here while we're recording this. Orgeron is in my face talking on the SEC network, okay? All right. Let's go back to 2007. Mm-hmm. There's one game in the in 2007 that he doesn't lose that game. I think he continues on as a coach. And I, I like to call it the, I guess it was the Louis Baton game. You remember the Alabama game of 07? The red, I guess that's, isn't that the one with the red bottom on the shoes or whatever? Or my wife, uh, she, so. she always called it the Louis Baton game because somebody threw after the horrible, horrible call. Ole Miss should have beat Alabama that game. Some girl from the student section threw one of her uh, $2,000 shoes on the field at the referee. That was always called the, it. Now, I always remember my wife calling it the Louis Baton game. 
you got to love that dedication. But, I mean, wasn't there Coach Dooley or somebody stupid? Not Dooley, but Shula? I mean, Shula. Whatever. That was but the coach of Alabama. It was Shula. That's right. So, I mean, we should have beat them every time. But, you know, I, it's just, man, if, it's just. It, if he wins that game, is that, does he continue on as a coach at Ole Miss? Yes. But I, there was other factors, like him choking parents out and people in Oxford and going to people's houses and wanting to fight. I mean, this guy, when he was at Ole Miss, he was a, he was wild. And, I mean, I guess I, the people in Baton Rouge are just used to that. Oh, yeah, that's normal. The, the, the whole deal with that game was, let me, if, you were, if you remember back, uh, I'm trying to think who the defensive back was. Do you remember who it was? No. Ole Miss. Anyway, no. covering the receiver, the receiver, as they're you got five yards to to play with each other. Well, the receiver throws him out of bounds. Well, he runs oh, yeah. down the sideline, comes back into the field to play, intercepts the ball, and sits the ref threw his hat down because the player went out of bounds, but the rules state if you are forced out of bounds and come back into play, it's okay. But he didn't see the, I guess you'd say the, the, you know, the tussling going on at the line of scrimmage where he got thrown out. But anyway, they gave to the Alabama the ball on the three yard line because he intercepted it and said it was they weren't they were fighting over the ball. You remember? Yes. And anyway, they gave to the, the ball to Alabama. Three-yard line, of course, they score from the three and win the game with 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. But they couldn't review – they couldn't review him going out of bounds. The only thing that they could review was hat going down and the interception. He was – became ineligible. But they couldn't review – how he became ineligible, which I think they've changed now. But I think Orgeron is still the coach if they win that game, no matter what happens in the state game that year. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, but there's so many variables there, man. I mean, I there's so much stuff going on and I heard some stuff. I don't know if it was true, but I heard some stuff that would have made me fire him too, or, you know, let him go, whatever. But I just, I, you know, that's so long ago and we've been through so much since then. I just, it, it, it just cracks me up. And and we're always, it's like my buddy says, Ole Miss going to Ole Miss. I mean, we're, we're going to do stupid stuff. I mean, it's just part of life. So I'm used to it. That's why I don't remember a lot of this stuff because I drink my pain away and laugh about it. Like everybody else is getting upset and throwing Louis Vuittons out on the field, and I'm laughing about it because there's nothing else you can do. You can't cry about it. It's like, you know, somebody said something the other day. They're like, man, I wish I would have done that. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do about it now? There's nothing you can do about it now. I mean, you know, it's like Doug Calloway said we're sitting in the Ritz back in 2003 shooting ducks he said somebody said something about how they wish something was different he said man he said if things aren't going the way you expect them to you just need to lower your expectations your expectations are way too high 
And you think about that for a second. I mean, that's that's as true and real as it gets. I mean, if, if you know, if you expect, you know, if you expect to go nine and three, then you maybe have a little too high of expectations to be in the SEC. And I'm talking about for every team besides Alabama and Georgia. I mean, LSU could screw up and lose a player and go nine and three right now. So, hey, give me a prediction. Who, who's the who's the top four? Who's the final four college playoff right now, midseason? I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm Alabama's scaring me a little bit with their offense, and I don't know if they're holding stuff back or Sarkeesian is just hasn't got a hold of himself, or if Saban's chewing his ass every five minutes and he feels uncomfortable. But I'm worried about Alabama's offense, and I'm also worried about their defense because when we can score 31 or 33 on them, they've got issues, and they weren't letting us do that. So I'm worried about them in a kind of like a total package deal. LSU, I don't think – I don't feel like Orgeron can keep it together that long. He may can. I don't know. But I somehow think Georgia still gets back in there. I don't know why I think that. But I still think they get back in there. I think Penn State somehow manages to beat Ohio State this year, which I don't know why I think that. But I think they somehow sneak in somehow because they got to beat Ohio State, and there's one other team that they got to beat. They only had two games left that matter. Um, Clemson, I'm not sure about. They look kind of shaky too. I don't know if it's because of who they're playing or what. Um, I guess I would probably say. If Alabama could somehow stay undefeated, I'm going to say Alabama. I'm almost going to say a rematch: Alabama, Georgia, Penn State, and throw somebody in that I'm not thinking about. Um, I don't. Oklahoma. I haven't been really paying attention. Yes, thank you. I think those four would be tough to beat uh, out of the system. Now, if Alabama gets shaky and somehow screws up, say they lose a game coming in, like to LSU, and then play Georgia and Georgia beats them, then they're out. It doesn't matter. So, is there you – know, hey, let me let me ask you this. Could you put together two better teams to play each other for the national championship other than Oklahoma and Alabama? Jalen Hurts. It would be, be the best thing ever. And to see Hurts beat Alabama. Well, and I don't – and two is not playing as good. I think – I'm, I'm serious. Something is going on. I can't figure it out. I mean – they have almost screwed up my Greasem guarantee twice because they they already have a couple of times. But, like, this week we got lucky and they covered first quarter and first half. But they are not the same team that they have been. Yes, they're winning, and yes, they're putting up points, and yes, it looks good on paper. But if you watch them, I, I watch them the first quarter and the first half every week. I don't care if I have to do it on my phone. I don't care how I do it. And I watch what's going on, and I'm telling you, I've watched them like this for long enough to know that something is up. I don't know what it is because I'm not there. I don't watch the rest of the game, so I don't know what they do in the second half. But something in the first quarter and the first half is not the same as it was last year and the year before and the year before that and the year before that. So it's either it's either Steve Sarkeesian, Tua not playing as well, Tua not caring as much, or there's something going on because they have the, they have four of the best receivers that have ever lived. They're all going to play pro. They have – their running backs are great. It seems like – it almost seems like that he's trying to do things. He's trying to force plays. Like, it's almost like he's forcing 
it's almost like he thinks that he can run the ball when at, when the other team knows he's going to run the ball, and it's almost like he's forcing that. Like, I get you have to run the ball. And I'm not saying don't run the ball. I'm just saying when everybody in the whole universe knows that's coming and you think you can just bully people, then that's probably not the best idea. I mean, run a play action or two and then give it to him. But when you line up and you say, I'm running the ball, come and stop me, but that offensive line, you're going to get stopped. I mean, you know Matt uh, Matt Womack is like their starting center. I can't remember if he's starting center or guard, but you you remember that whole um, ordeal at Ole Miss, right? I remember Ole Miss recruiting him. We and... well, we had him to the last minute, and then there was a lot of there was a whole lot of drama, and you know he didn't he didn't he didn't start playing until this year, and I'm pretty sure he's a senior. But anyway, that doesn't matter. They're you know whatever. I just don't think talent wise they're good enough like they were in the past to line up and say that to somebody and say I'm running it right here. If you can stop me, then stop me. They don't have the talent right there on offense or defense to do that. They do on offense to throw the ball, and they have to run it. You can't throw the ball every time, but Tua has not been as accurate. I don't know if it's because of his injury or what, but he hasn't been the same quarterback. He's not I, – I went from thinking he was going to be incredible in the pros to thinking that I don't even know that he can play in the NFL because his accuracy has gone to crap. Yeah, they have big explosive plays. Because, hell, I mean, everyone – I mean, look at his stats. I haven't even look, really looked at his stats, but I've, I've watched the games. Like, I, look at look at Jalen Hurts' stats. He's throwing – he's I, having like five – Rob Kroom. Rob Kroom could be the quarterback behind that offensive line with number four. On the receiving end of passes. I could. But, you know, I'm just saying that there is stuff going on with Tua, and I can't figure out what it is. He he's not the same guy. There's something going on, and I I'm not sure what it is, but there there's something that that there's something going on, and and I I I don't know. I'm going to continue to bet my bets. I've already put in the Tennessee game first quarter. As soon as the halftime line comes out, it'll come out Wednesday night sometime. I'll bet it. But um, I just don't believe that that it's the same team. But I'm almost betting them because of the fact that I'm so used to doing it. Like this week, I bet those two bets, I bet Minnesota in the NFL, and I bet um, Ole Miss, and I bet Cincinnati. That's all I bet. I had five bets. I had three on Saturday and two on Sunday. That's all I bet. I want every one of them. Um, this week, I'm going to bet my two Alabama games, and I'm going to find something I think made – may be good and then go from there i just don't see i i just can't it's too wild right now i mean the fact that Ole Miss covered saturday was the craziest thing i've ever seen in my life i've i i, I thought i'd seen it all i mean we were getting we were getting destroyed the line was 12 and a half and they missed two or three extra points and then they got a field goal, which screwed everything up because I had the number where it needed to be for us to get a garbage touchdown and, and cover. But then they kicked a field goal or two and got it back where it needed to be for them to cover. And somehow in the fourth quarter, they gave us garbage touchdowns and we covered. We lost by 11. So that was lucky. I should have lost that one. But regardless, it, it, everything is so weird right now in the NFL and college, I still think it's so rigged that people don't understand. And people are like, I heard somebody the other day, they're like, if you think that's rigged, you're crazy. I'm like, Bubba, I got news for you. It's rigged. So 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answers. I don't know what's going on with them, but something's going on. I hope they play, all, I mean, Oklahoma, because it'd be the most amazing game ever. I, can you imagine how many people would watch that? Man. It would it would be it would be amazing. And it, it, would, it would be good for college football. You know, everybody's like, well, Alabama's be- in it every year. You know, that's bad for football. No, 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 player. You put those two playing each other in the national championship and put them on the other sides of the bracket and just let them see if they can beat the other two teams. See if Oklahoma could beat Georgia and see if Alabama could beat whoever's on the other side. And if they do, you've set up for the best national championship game in a long, long time. And I'm not, I don't I agree know if with Oklahoma that. Could, I don't know if Oklahoma could beat Alabama because Oklahoma's defense isn't very good. But on the same hand, that would be a serious, serious – that would be awesome, and I, I hope that somehow happens. But you know, it's a crazy season. We'll see what happens. I'm not that concerned but with Georgia's loss. Oklahoma goes undefeated the rest of the year. Tua keeps playing the way he's playing. Who wins the Heisman? Do, do they pay Tua back and give him the Heisman because he should have won it last year? No. Or no, they're not. Do they give it? No. Do they give it to the hero Jalen? Uh, all right, let's back up. Do you feel like that Peyton Manning should have won the Heisman in 1997? Hell yeah. Over Charles Woodson. See, that's the problem with the Heisman. It's almost like they troll the best player. Like it, like Peyton Manning had over, I think it was like 14,000 career. It was either, it was somewhere, it was either 11 to 14,000 career passing yards. This was before anybody was getting close to those numbers, you know? They completely screw him on the Heisman, give it to Charles Woodson playing defensive back at Michigan, who they play nobody, and all of a sudden Peyton gets screwed out of the Heisman. Now, that's fine and dandy because the Heisman is just what it is. I don't even think it's a big deal personally, but you can't predict that. They may give it to somebody stupid. I mean, you never know with them. It's so it's so messed up, and it's such a goofy thing. I don't watch it. I don't care about it. I don't care who gets it. I mean – I don't know that there were – I see what you're saying, and I can I, – dude, they're so unpredictable. I, I can't I, – I have no idea. I mean, you, you, there's a thousand different things that could happen there. But if if Hurst keeps playing like he's playing, I don't see how you don't give it to him. And I don't think Tua's playing as good as Hurst right now. Now, that could change. He's leading. I, Tua, Tua, Tua's leading him probably 10%. I would say just about all, every – Except rushing, rushing. He was yards. leading. Every, he was leading last year, and he was only playing the first half, and he led the whole year and lost it. Uh, um, I think it's between saying. those two, though. I, I think the the Heisman well, is between those two right now, Jalen and Tua. Right. But I, I I think that they they're they would much rather give it to anybody in this world than an Alabama player. Two is at Notre Dame, dude. He's already won it. Well, yeah, I see that too, Rocky. I just feel like that the Heisman is such a goofy thing that I think it's too hard to predict. I don't think you can say, yes, this would happen or this would happen because it's so weird. If you look back through the years at people that we thought should have won or we thought, you know, were the better player, then, I mean, look at Leonard Fournette. Where was he? I mean, you're not kidding. Just, I mean, you never can tell. And maybe it's SEC bias. I don't know. 
But the NCAA, of all people, of all people, should know what their money cow is. And that's the SEC. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the Big Ten or the Big 12 because they, they bring it in too, even the Pac-10. But you can't tell me that there's a reason that the SEC big game is on CBS every Saturday at 2.30. And before long, I can't remember what week it is. It may be week seven. But before long, we're going to have a 2.30 game and a 6 o'clock game. And you can't tell me that that's where the money is not. That You can't tell me that they don't understand that's the money. That I know they're making billions of dollars. But that SEC game on Saturday on CBS is where it's at. And look who plays every week at 2.30. Hey, Every week, do you think? Hey. Do you do you think that the guy? Just speaking of CBS, do you think the guy that uh, picks the games for CBS? Hey, this is the game we need to show. You think he still got a job this week after missing out on the LSU Florida game? They have first choice. Man. I know, but listen to this, Rocky. LSU will not play a day game at Baton Rouge unless it is absolutely has to happen. When they start playing that 6 o'clock CBS game, LSU will play in that every week, just like Alabama plays in the 2.30 game. Baton Rouge hates that game. They won't let it happen. So I they think that no was more of a deal. CBS picks you. Oh, trust me. They have a choice. Trust me. Trust me. All This is so political and so much money involved. Believe me, they have a choice. I can assure you. You're talking major, major millions of dollars. And you, you know that LSU doesn't play during the day, and everybody knows that. CBS knows that. They also know that they're fixing to get the night game at 6 o'clock, and LSU's going to be in that every game. So I don't think that that's that big of a deal. I think the Florida-LSU game was awesome, but LSU's not going to play during the day, period. If they absolutely can stand it, which they can, they're not going to play during the day. At Baton Rouge. It's not going to happen. So I think that has more to do with it than anything. And that's fine for CBS. I mean, they're generating so much money that it – I mean, yeah, they would have got more off that game. They would have had more viewers, blah, blah, blah. But they're looking long-term. They're fixing to have so much money off these other games and having Bama at 2.30 and LSU at 6 that it's going to be incredible. So I don't think – I think long-term that that, you know, that's where we are. And, you know – I can't wait to watch Alabama and LSU play. I can't wait to, you know, there's some games coming up that are going to be awesome. You know, so we'll we'll see what happens. But if LSU doesn't screw up, which is a big if, and Alabama somehow gets their act together, which I know people on podcast listening are going to be like, get their act together. I'm just telling you something isn't right. I'm telling you. I've watched too much of their games. I know too much about their players, and I know too much about how they play to not realize that something is not right. I don't know what it is, but something isn't right. But if they can hold on and beat LSU and then somehow come in and maybe even if they lose to Georgia in the SEC and still get in, we could have an awesome playoff this year, finally. But how does it get any better than SEC football or college football in general? Like, how does it how does it get better? Like, what what will we talk about if we couldn't, like, what 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 will we be doing? I guess we'd talk about the the uh, Dallas Cowboy and the New York Jet game. Oh boy! Hey, we could spend we could spend a whole another thirty minutes on 
the Dallas Cowboys. Holy moly. You're talking about in trouble. Dak Prescott, what did he want, $40 million a year? Chasing yeah, and, 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 and hanging on for dear life. And, uh, you know, Zeke holds out. Look at him now. I'm not, you know, I talked to Church about it last night. He thinks, he's like, you can't overreact after six games or six weeks. I'm like, dude, I've watched them play, and I, I can I can have my opinion. I don't think they're there. And then you got Estes had a bad weekend, man. Woo! His Cowboys got destroyed by the Jets, and his Bulldogs got beat by freaking Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Yankees, the Yankees got beat too. His other team, the Yankees, got beat. Poor Estes. Oh, but he played it off perfectly, like he didn't care and all this and that. Yeah, right. But yeah. <laughs> he lives and dies by it, man. I, I bet I bet he had four quarter pounder mills this weekend. I'm pumped up for Jesse though, because he took a lot Jesse Jesse Presley took more crap for the first five or six weeks than anything I've ever seen in that group. He was taking major crap. And never broke. And then they – He never broke. He never he stuck broke. with it. Nope, stuck with it the whole time. And then just – I don't even know what he said to Estes after the game. I don't even know if he said anything, which is worse. Like, I would rather somebody talk trash to me than to just ignore me. Like, go ahead and tell me how bad it was. You know, I mean, don't – don't let me sit there and think like, oh, great, you know, they were right this whole time. My team sucks. I got beat by a team that lost to Georgia freaking State. Their biggest win was Chattanooga before the state game. <laughs> oh. So, good for Pruitt because he was catching a lot of hell. But more importantly – Good for Jesse Presley. I agree with you. Good for you. I, I, good for you, Je- Good for you, Jesse. You deserve that, buddy. It, his his life does not hang in the balance by wins and losses. I'm proud of him. No. Yeah. His fandom I, I am does too. not rule his life. No. He deserved that win, and Estes he deserved did. that loss. Unfortunately. <laughs> All right, man. I gotta go. I gotta get this stew to the clinic. I made stew for the ladies at the clinic today. All right, man. I hope they enjoy their stew and uh, talk soon. All right, brother. Have a good afternoon. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast powered by DuckTown.com. Go ball!